show me wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off. Look at my eye. Lock a hand. Thumb inside. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Yeah! Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the UFC edition. How about that? First one we've done here on the Dream Preview feed. Uh, I am AJ Hoffman, joined by Pregame Zone, Sleepy J. Sleepy, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Glad to hear you being the host today and not me, so it makes me feel pretty comfortable. <laughs> all right, so we're going to put it out there that we can't guarantee that we can do this all the time. We've luckily hit a spot in the calendar where I am not handicapping college basketball every day, and I am not handicapping college football every day. So between... Now and when college football starts, we're going to try and, uh, and throw some UFC action your way. Keep uh, keep our skills sharp, if you know what I'm saying. And of course, uh, I put up a card at pregame.com for every UFC event, uh, but always for the pay-per-views. Uh, those, are, those are my favorite to get after. So what we're going to do, it, we're not going to go through every fight. What we're going to do is we're going to go through the co-main event, the main event, and Sleepy and I are both going to give a best bet. And uh, we'll give you a little promo code somewhere in between to uh, to give you access to uh, some savings if you want uh, the full UFC card. Uh, Sleepy, do you ever sell a UFC card at pregame? I have not. Okay, well, or whatever you want at pregame.com, you can use that, that 20% for. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into it. UFC 287 live from Miami. This is one of those events where we've got a a main event that is like certainly meaningful, impactful. Like this is a, a really on paper, at least a really close fight should be a, a, a toss up. And the, the odds suggest as much in the co-main event, we've got a guy from Miami who is a pay-per-view seller and a ticket seller going up a guy who very well could maul him in Gilbert Burns, and that is the uh, that's where we'll start in that co-main event between Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvidal. And Burns twenty-one and five, uh, despite losing two of his last four fights, it feels like he his stock is as high as ever. Uh, those two losses, one was a title fight against Kamaru Usman the in a fight that he won the first round. The other one was a decision win or a decision loss, excuse me, to Hamzat Shemaev, who up until that point, Shemaev hadn't even looked like he was human. He, he had not been tested, and Gilbert Burns gave him everything he wanted uh outs after but in, in between those two losses was a unanimous decision win over Steven Wonderboy Thompson and most recently we saw him back in late January UFC 283 uh just run through Neil Magny who Neil Mag- like Neil Magny's like a he is a gatekeeper to uh to being a real contender 
And like Neil Magny gives everybody a tough fight. And he had absolutely nothing for Gilbert Burns in that fight. Masvidal, on the other hand, uh, probably more in the news lately for outside the cage fighting. Um, He has lost three straight, two straight to Kamaru Usman. The first one was a, back in 2020, a, a good uh, a good fight, five round, uh, unanimous decision win for Usman. But most people thought that that uh, Masvidal showed well. The second fight, not so much. Usman absolutely obliterated him and like left him cold on the ground, which we had not seen in some time uh, with Masvidal. And then most recently, which is over a year ago now, which is crazy to think. I mean, Masvidal is now a once a year fighter, basically. Um, but most recently, we saw him in March of 2022, just being mauled by Colby Covington for five rounds. Like he just nothing for him. Um, Colby dominated with his wrestling. Now we get to this fight where Masvidal. I mean, if you hear him talk, he's still talking like he is on top of the world. He's one fight away from a, a title shot. Like just not in touch with the fact that he's lost three straight fights. This is, uh, by, I'll just give you the, the odds on this. It, it is not perceived by Vegas to be a close fight. You can find Gilbert Burns out there. The best price you can find right now as we tape this on Thursday is minus 450. Uh, you get plus 360 coming back on Masvidal. I'll, I'll throw it to you, Sleepy. Do you feel like Masvidal has anything left? Is there a last hurrah or... Do we still are we still thinking of Masvidal as that guy who had sort of a a magical run where he beat Darren Till, Ben Askren, and Nate Diaz, and outside of that has been just sort of a guy in the UFC? Well, I've watched a lot of interviews recently, and I haven't liked anything that I've heard from him. A lot of it's been about personal beefs, you know, whether it's Kobe, maybe it's Leon, and he wants to go ahead and get those guys in the ring and and beat them up and punch them. And I'm like, all right, cool, you know, I get it. But I think he's at a point right now to where he's looking at, at those type of things. He's not looking at getting back in there to fight for a title. He understands like he can sell pay-per-views right now. And I think that that's the reason why he's in this particular fight. But I just don't like the whole, I want to go ahead and beat these guys up who I have beef with instead of like, I want to get back in there with Usman. I want to get back in there with a guy like Leon Edwards who might have the title and get back in there and, and become a champion at some point. It just doesn't sound like he's on that trajectory. It sounds like he's more about the money, more about settling beefs with people, and I just don't like that mindset one bit. I think when you when you look at the, the what the truth of Masvidal is, like after after the loss to Maya and the loss to Stephen Thompson, like you look at those three wins, Darren Till, who Darren Till's not in the UFC now, like Darren Darren Till that. That loss to Masvidal was the second in a run where he lost five out of six fights. And the one fight that he won in there was a split decision win over Kelvin Gastelum, who's also semi-washed. He beat Ben Askren in five seconds. And listen, I don't think anybody thought Ben Askren was a, a, was somehow great anyway. But he he beat Ben Askren in five seconds. And then he beat Nate Diaz in a fight that the doctor had to stop. But let's also face this sad truth about Nate Diaz is, you know, if you go back to like 2012, Nate Diaz has lost way more fights than he's won. Like Nate Diaz is a star, 
you know, because of what he does on the mic and the fact that he beat Conor McGregor. But Nate Diaz is not a, a, a super high-level UFC fighter, at least not a guy who's like a, on, on the championship level. And then they put him, after those three fights, they put him up against guys who are on that championship level, Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington, and he basically gets washed. I think Masvidal is more, uh, he's more brand than he is substance. And Gilbert Burns, to me, is a guy who is all substance. This is a dude who is just a beast. And we have seen him in there with uh, Tyron Woodley. We've seen him in there with Damian Maya. We've seen him in there with, with with guys who are dangerous in lots of different ways. And is he, is he you know, uh, somehow unbeatable? No, he's not. Like, uh, he, he got... Clipped by Dan Hooker when they fought. Obviously, like I mentioned, the other two fights, the the Usman fight and the the Kamzat fight. But he looks to me like this is the best version of Gilbert Burns we've ever seen. I have a hard time picturing him just not running through Masvidal. And my pick for this fight is is going to be Gilbert Burns inside the distance. Uh, You can get that at plus 105. That number is a bit surprising to me. Uh, Masvidal's only been finished in four of his 16 fights, but he's 38 years old. We we saw it, we saw it happen a couple fights ago. We saw him get starched by Usman, and when you're 38 years old, your your endurance doesn't improve. Burns is the more powerful, probably less technically sharp striker, but it's all all the striking Burns does is to set up his grappling game and which is where I think he can finish this fight. Burns is is much stronger physically than Masvidal and once they hit the mat, I think that that Masvidal just melts a little bit. At a plus price, feels like that's the the best way to attack this fight. Gilbert Burns inside the distance for me. How do you see this fight playing out? For me, I got to go back to the first Usman fight with Masvidal and I think that that was Maybe a fight that a lot of people looked at and are like, you know, hey, he went, he went, you know, five rounds with with Usman. I think a lot of that was Usman going in there with the wrong game plan. It was like this guy had all this momentum. He just beat Nate Diaz, got the BMF title, and I think Usman kind of realized in the second fight, like I could probably run right through this guy, and that's what we saw. And then we saw that with Covington too. Colby pretty much put his back up against the cage, and he just rode him out, beat the shit out of him all pretty much all all five rounds. So I think Masvidal, one, is overrated. Two, I don't like the mindset. I think Gilbert Burns probably tries to take the approach that he took against Magny, go right after him, get him down, you know, ground and pound and grapple with him. Now, Masvidal's pretty good, you know, going ahead and avoiding submissions. I don't think he's been submitted in, I mean, it's been a long time since he's got submitted, but I wouldn't be surprised if Gilbert can pull that off. You can get like plus 230 right now on Gilbert by submission. I think there's a chance at that because, I guess you could say that Masvidal really gave it all against Kobe. And I think that there were times where had Kobe been able to go and secure a choke, I think that fight would have ended, but just Kobe could just couldn't get it. But I think Burns can. I think Burns is a lot more stronger than Kobe. And, you know, like you said, like he's looked really good. I didn't really give Burns a chance against Cosma, but they were in there beating the brains out of each other. I think that that, that has to give Burns so much confidence coming to this one. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, and the way he ran through Magni rightfully so a minus 500 favorite that that's how i feel about it but i i think he can win by by submission yeah the last time uh masvidal was submitted was a, a very famous submission uh to mma fans was back in bellator in like the late 2000s when he got inverted triangled by toby amata um 
Billy. So you could you can Google that. It's a it's a really impressive submission. But both times that Masvidal has been submitted, they're technical submissions, meaning he didn't tap. He just went to sleep, and that could very well be the way he goes here. So uh, I looked at that as well. I it just felt to me like I, I could see him getting pounded out on the mat too. So playing that inside the distance prop covers me either way. Uh, and, and really it wouldn't shock me if, if, uh, if it's a clean knockout, like Usman had, like Gilbert Burns has that kind of power mm-hmm. that he can finish. I think he can finish Masvidal standing. Masvidal has really good technique for a guy who got famous by fighting Ray in the boatyard or whatever it was on YouTube. The guy's got really clean technique, which is where he, he generates his power from. Gilbert Burns is just like a horse. Like th- that's like real legit nasty power. The technique isn't always perfect, but if he lands that on and like Kamaru Usman doesn't have perfect technique from a striking standpoint either, and he was able to 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 put him out clean. I just think that there it's very hard for me to imagine that Masvidal lasts three rounds against a dude that's that dangerous. So uh, it looks like we kind of agree. You're going to go Masvidal or excuse me Burns by submission. What price are you getting on that? I'm going to get plus two thirty on that. All right, and I'm going to go the uh, the scaredy way and take plus 110 on uh, Burns just inside the distance. Either way, he finishes. Now I'm hoping he gets a submission so we both come out happy. Let me ask you this before you go ahead and get to the next one. What's the path right now for Masvidal? Is it just standing up and getting a KO win? Like, is that the only way? Because I don't think it. I don't think this probably goes a distance. And the only way I could see Masvidal winning this is just getting lucky and getting that KO knockout. That, that's his path. That's it's clipping him because, like, if it's a a full, you know, a if both guys are at their best, like, there's no, there is no path for Masvidal. The like he needs to, he needs to be like he's he can't run away for for 15 minutes. That's not going to work. There's a reason why this thing is it's fight doesn't go to decision is minus 160. So you're most the books at least believe that you're right. This isn't going to be a three round fight. So the 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 shot there from Asvidal is to land something clean and put him away. But I, this isn't Ben Askren, you know. <laughs> Gilbert Burns isn't going to run across the cage and just stick his face out and say, "Here, knock me out." Like it's not going to work. So I, I'm with you. I, I just don't I don't see much of a path for Masvidal here. Burns is too smart of a fighter and just and looks too good right now. How did you do that? Sure. All right, let's move to the main event, which is a rematch of well, I guess I mean you could say it's the fourth time that these two guys have fought. Last time was at UFC 281 between Alex Pereira, the champion, the 185 pound champion, and Israel Adesanya. Uh, back in November at Madison Square Garden, you saw Pereira get the fifth round stoppage uh, against Adesanya. Some people thought it was a questionable stoppage. I personally didn't. Like, uh, it, it's tough to see a champion get stopped while he's on his feet, but it, like he was out of that fight. Like, had, had it gone ten more seconds, it, it, it would have been on the ground, and it would have been way more unnecessary damage. But uh, Pereira has beaten Adesanya twice before in kickboxing. I heard Chris Curtis uh, when he was getting he was going through the the interview process this week, uh, and he was they, they asked him about the Adesanya Pereira fight, who he likes, and he said, you know, I I feel bad for Adesanya because he's got like his own personal boogeyman, 
Alex Pereira is just like Michael Myers following him wherever he goes. Like he, uh, he, he said that this guy, Israel Adesanya went to MMA and like, you know, basically said, oh, I'm not losing to you again. Goes to MMA, becomes like the best at that. And then Alex Pereira just shows up at his house standing outside the window. Like, I'm going to come take everything you've earned here too. I, it really is almost, it's got to be in Israel's head now, right? That he, he just can't get over this Alex Pereira hump. And if if you go back and you watch, first of all, if you watch the the fight back at UFC 281, I mean, Pereira has moments, certainly, but it was probably a 3-1 fight, Adesanya, going into the fifth. Like, Adesanya was pr- probably on his way to a decision win. I mean, it's not like it was lopsided. It was a really, really well-contested fight. And you could argue he was like Adesanya. The the first fight, you could say maybe Adesanya should have won on the cards. The second fight, Adesanya was winning clearly until Pereira put him out. Like so, if you if you count all the ring and cage time that these guys have, Adesanya's winning most of it. it does it come down to just like it, Pereira has this this insane finishing power? And that's the difference between these two guys because and Adesanya has finishing power as well, but to to do it, he's got to he's got to land a lot of things in a row. He's got to land big combos. He's got and he's got to avoid that left hook the entire time. To me, this this whole fight just feels like have, have you ever played like you remember on the old computers you played Minecraft or not Minecraft? What's the mine mine? What was the it was the game the mine game Minesweeper. Minesweeper, that's what it is. And it, so imagine playing Minesweeper, except like you 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 don't have any strategy. They just like you say, okay, I need you to push ten random boxes, and that's like you you push two random boxes every minute for, for that game, and you got to do that for twenty five minutes and not explode a bomb. Like that's what being in there with Alex Pereira is like. It's like playing Minesweeper. And not knowing how to play. Like you're just going to, okay, every 30 seconds you push a button and hopefully you don't blow up. And at some point, it's hard to avoid. The longer the fight goes, the harder it is to avoid hitting that mine, which is that Alex Pereira left hook, which is maybe the the most deadly strike in MMA right now. It it feels like that's what, it's in Adesanya's head that he's got, that he's got to be so worried about that, that he can't be himself. Um, I, I'll say this, if you beat a guy three times in a row, there's a confidence that comes with that. And if you've, if you've been beat up by the same guy three times in a row, there's a lack of confidence that comes with that. When you look at the odds on this fight, like, and you consider that Pereira is like a, a minus one or excuse me, a plus one fifteen dog. Adesanya's minus one thirty-five. He's lost to him three times. That doesn't that doesn't compute with me. I, I if if this was a if this was a minus one ten minus one ten coin flip, I'd say okay, that makes sense. You know, Adesanya's like he's got a lot of more, he's got a lot more paths to victory. He can wrestle. We saw that in the first fight. He took him down. He wrestled him. As it stands, like getting plus money on the guy who's won three times in a row against this guy. Seems hard for me to pass up. Which way? Which way are you leaning here? And and how do you think either guy gets to victory? Well, immediately after the the last fight, I was like, "There's no way Alex is going to lose," just because of the power that I saw, and the fact that Izzy was actually beating him. 
And he actually decided, well, I'll just stand with this guy. It turned out to be a big mistake, as we saw. When I first saw the line come out, I'm like, there's no way that Alexa isn't going to get bet. Because I'm thinking, like, everybody's going to remember what they saw last. And I, I had a feeling, like, Alex is going to come out here and he's just going to – like. Does he want to stand with Izzy? No. He's probably going to go right after him. So I think that there's a chance that it ends in the first round with Alex probably going ahead and knocking out Izzy. But then I started to think about it. I'm like, well, could you look at this like college basketball where this is like triple revenge? And like you were just talking about, like Izzy's won a lot of rounds against this guy. And I think the path here for Izzy is probably to try to get this to the ground. I think we've seen with Deshaun Strickland fight with LX that you stand with him, you can get, you know, you can get your job broken. Izzy obviously learned that lesson too. So I could see Izzy probably trying to get this to the ground. If if that's the path and he can actually accomplish that, then I think there there's a chance there that he can win. And the other thing I don't like about Alex is that his stand-up defense is piss poor in my opinion. Now he has the length to go ahead and try to keep Izzy back, but you know, one thing that Izzy didn't do, I think, was he didn't set up for the counters because Alexa's defense, his hands are always down. And I think Izzy might try to do that if he if he can't get him down. Try to set him up a little bit more to go ahead and get more counters. So I'm not ruling out Izzy at all. I think that, you know, there is a triple revenge factor here. I think Izzy can get him down to the ground, and that's probably an area where Alex might struggle. I mean, we saw him against Silva, Alex. He had some struggles on the ground. Now, obviously, the bigger, stronger guy, he's going to be able to get up, but you know, Izzy's right with him. He's 6'4", Alexa's 6'4". So I think there is a path here for, for Izzy. But look, if he tries to stand with this dude, he's going to get his head knocked off again. And it's going to be 0-4, and, and, and that's just the way it's going to be. It's going to be lights out early, I think, because there's no way Alexa wants to go out there with losing all these rounds, especially the last fight, AJ. Like, he was clearly losing. If he stands out there and he's like, oh, I'm going to go tit for tat with this guy, I think he gets beat. That's kind of where I'm at with that. So I think there's a couple of paths for Izzy. There's only one path for Alex, and that's just go right out. And, and while his power is supreme, go right after Izzy and try to get him out of there. That That's the path I think I think that Alex probably takes. This is a tough fight for me. Honestly, I, I don't want to bet either guy. I'm probably going to take Izzy in this one, probably to go ahead and win. That That's kind of where I'm at right now. Here's what I think. And I mean, you're right. I think the best path would be trying to get him to and wrestle him. I don't know if that's in Izzy's nature to do that consistent, like to make that his game plan going into a fight. I know you saw him do it in the third round, but it almost felt like it was like desperation. Uh, like he was like, okay, I, I I don't know how much longer I can hold up in this firefight. I need to to change things up because you're right. Pereira's def- defensively everywhere. He's he's very flawed. He's luckily he's got a really good chin. Although you could argue that the the last time they fought, if there was another thirty seconds in the first round, Izzy may have stopped him. Like he was getting he, he was on the brink of getting stopped on his feet in the first round. So maybe that chin is 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 there to be had too. But he does seem like he's he's got a very solid chin. What I think that that Izzy's going to do is. Try to avoid the big moments. Try to avoid what happened in the fifth round where both guys were were getting off. Izzy is so good with movement. He's so good at switching stances. He he fights like he's it's really brilliant the way he switches. Like you don't know if he's a true Southpaw or Orthodox fighter because he he switches so well. But he's got so many different angles he can cut. 
and he needs to keep the keep moving and he needs to avoid the leg kicks that he ate in the first round because he even said in the in the post fight like he kicked the shit out of my legs like that was a big factor and Pereira obviously is going to want to do that again because you want to take that speed advantage away um but I'm going to go with over three and a half rounds in this fight which sounds weird when you've got two of the best strikers in the world but I think that they're both going to be cautious. Not, I mean, I think Alex Pereira remembers the end of round one where he was on the brink. He doesn't want that to happen again. He's not going to fight dumb. Like Alex Pereira, it's funny because he, he, like, he almost you almost think of him like this brute fighter because he looks like a brute fighter. But he's a really smart technical kickboxer. Uh, Izzy is clearly one of the smartest kickboxers in, in the world. Like, I think these guys both want to just play it safe. Izzy wants to pick his spots and try to avoid that big shot. And I think that Pereira is going to try to be patient and hope that he eventually, that Izzy eventually pushes the wrong button on Minesweeper and that left hook lands. Like, he knows he's not going to rush Izzy. He's not going to, like, make a panic move and chase him. Like, I, that's that's not what he does. He is like Jason Voorhees, just kind of stalking you. You're running, and he's just walking, and eventually he knows he's going to catch up with you because you're going to fall over a log. Like that—that's the the kind of fighter he is. He's not going to go run into something dumb. So I think over three and a half rounds, minus one fifty. That's a different way to attack this if you if you are having a hard time deciding who you think wins it. What do you think about? Like go back to like the Izzy fight against Jan Blahovich. Do you think that that might give him some hesitancy because? Jan and, and Alexa are probably about the same size. Yeah. And I just yeah. worry that because Izzy was – I mean, he looked good in that fight, obviously. I mean, there was a chance of going into the fifth that, that he was ahead or it was tied. He certainly had a chance to win. And and that was one thing I was thinking about because I, I really think that that's the path for Izzy in this one. I just wonder if you think maybe that he'll be a little hesitant because of that. I think the difference is like Blahovich had the, the, the possibility that he could wrestle. And I like – if there was a prop that said Alex Pereira doesn't attempt to take down, like I, I'd play that to like minus a thousand. Like that, that it's just not in his mindset to even try it. I don't think so. Uh, I think that's where that that was the difference between Blahovich and Pereira was that Blahovich is a he's a more well rounded guy, uh, but Pereira is elite at this one thing, and I, I, so I, I think that gave Izzy some trouble. Um, this I think this fight looks honestly it looks a lot like. The last fight did. I, I think that these two guys, this is the kind of fights they're going to have. And if we have a third one, it'll look very similar to this. It'll be Pereira being patient, trying to find that bomb. And it'll be Izzy trying to to move around and pick his shots and not get hit. Like, it, it, I don't think there's, I don't think these two guys can put on much of a different show than what they put on last time. Right? Like, this is how they're built. This is what they're going to do. The one thing you said, the one thing, I, and I agree with, the one thing that could be different is maybe we see a little more wrestling from Adesanya. But I also think Adesanya is like an ego guy to where like we we all know him as this like, you know, this incredible striker. He's made himself known as this incredible striker, maybe the the the, the best in the world or one of the best in the world. Like if he suddenly after losing three essential essentially losing three kickboxing matches because the third one was an MMA match but it was essentially a kickboxing match if he were to resort to just wrestling him and laying on him for five rounds that would basically be him saying I can't win the other way 
And I don't think Israel Adesanya is built that way. I don't think his mindset will allow him to say, okay, I can't beat him in my game. I'm going to play a different game because I think Adesanya like truly believes he's the better kickboxer, even though we've seen three times that's not the way to beat Alex Pereira. So uh, I, I, while I could see that happening, it seems pretty unlikely to me. That that gives me caution. Obviously, you know when you said the ego thing, that kind of was like you know light bulb moment there, and that makes sense too. And that and that, I probably shouldn't be betting Izzy based on that. He has to change his game plan though, because that's not going to work. I mean, you know it's not going to work if he stands up here with this guy. Alex isn't going to change anything. What's he going to change? The only the only thing I think he changes is that he just tries to get this over quicker than it than it ended last time because he was in deep waters. He was in a, in a pretty tough spot. So that's the only thing I think he changes. He tries to get this over a little bit quicker. But Izzy can't stand there. I think he has to change the game plan. And if he wants to, you know, regain the title and finally get over the hump of this guy, and maybe he doesn't ever have to see him again, right? I mean, there's a chance of that. But like you said, the ego thing, it gives me pause. It gives me something else to worry about. Thanks for that. The other thing is when when they did wrestle, and like Adesanya is not a wrestler by nature, and if you're not used to wrestling all the time, wrestling makes you so tired. And I think in the, in the the round three, I think that it took some gas out of uh, Pereira's tank as well. But I think it exhausted Israel to wrestle in that round. I, I think it really tired out both guys. And if he if he does if that's his game plan, especially early, you're taking in a five round fight, you're taking gas out of the tank for something that may go four or five rounds against a guy that's that scary. And I, I don't, it's, while I see it as a good idea, I don't know that he can do it for five rounds. And I do think that when he did do it in the first fight, it exhausted him. Like he, he's just not his body. And so unless he spent this whole camp wrestling, which is highly unlikely, I don't know how willing he will be to wrestle. I guess we're going to find out. And that's the beauty of, of doing the podcast. Like you could always get the, you could always get your wager, right? But I like to get the handicap right. Like if I go and I see Izzy actually take him down to the ground, he wins that way. You know, that, that makes you super happy. And at least you feel like you were tracking correctly. But this is going to be a good one. I, I, I'm certainly not going to miss this one. Now show me wax on, wax off. All right, let's go to we each have a best bet. Uh, before we do that, before we give our best bets, I'm going to give you a little promo code. Go to pregame.com. Use the promo code UFC20. And that will get you 20% off anything you like over at pregame.com, including uh, my best bets package for UFC 287. Uh, tons of great hat cappers over at, at pregame. Uh, Scott Seidenberg, who I do straight out of Vegas AM with. Uh, Mackenzie Rivers, who does straight out of Vegas as well. Steve Fezzik. Uh, Dave Essler. Tons of great handicappers over there. Uh, whether you want something long-term, short-term, you just want to get down on for a one-day card, uh, you can find it all at pregame.com. Use that promo code UFC20 and get 20% off anything you purchase there at pregame.com. Sleepy, I will give you the honors uh, for the first best bet. Where are you going to go? What's your favorite play on UFC 287? All right, I'm going to go to the prelim headliner here. I'm going to go with the Chris Curtis-Kevin Gaslam fight. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play Curtis. I'm going to take him at plus 110 to go ahead and win this one. You know, I had a little bit of a feeling that this line actually might swing in favor of Gasolum from the opening number, and it has. Maybe a little bit more than I like, but I do like the movement because he's a name that the public betters know. Gasolum certainly has the credentials. He has the experience. 
you know, he's fought the who's who over probably like the last six years, some of the biggest names in the sport, but you know, he's lost five out of his last six fights. And the one fight that he won, I could argue easily that it was the easiest opponent that he had over the last six years. And that was Ian Heinish. Curtis, in my opinion, he's kind of on the come right now. And he's kind of building a little bit of a resume for himself. Curtis took a he took a pretty tough loss against Jack Hermanson. Now Gaslamov also lost against Hermanson too. And that was two fights ago for Curtis. But I don't think it was anything for him to hang his head on because he came right back. He KO'd Joaquin Buckley, who, in my opinion, is not that bad of a fighter as well. You know, Gaslam's a striker. Curtis is a striker. I just wonder how much gas Gaslam actually has left in the tank. I mean, this guy's fought nothing but the best fighters out there. And I kind of feel like this is a stepping stone kind of fight. And when I see these type of fights, I tend to go ahead and look towards the dog. And I think that Curtis is making a name for himself. Like I said, he fell short against against Hermanson, and that was that could have been the stepping stone fight. But I feel like this is the stepping stone fight. And now that the odds have have swung the way that they've swung, and I could actually get plus money here with Curtis, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take him. I think Gaslam is just he's fought the the best guys, and he's always come up short. Like I said, five out of the last six fights I haven't gone all that great. So I'm going to take Curtis, the dog here. I think he's on the come. I like him. I think he. I don't think he's going to knock him out, but if this goes a distance, I think he could probably outpoint Gaslam. Yeah, there's just so much tread off the tires of Gaslam. And it, it, Chris Curtis has way more experience, obviously not big fight experience. Kelvin Gaslam's been, you know, he's been in with title contenders and title, you know, title champions uh, from a good chunk of his UFC career. But it, it, it 30, it, he's only 31 years old. It feels like he's so much older than that. It just feels like the grind of this has taken it all out of him. And it it doesn't feel like he's a he's a, t- a top level guy anymore. Uh, and I, I think that it, like it, it some people would argue against that. Well, he's just been up against the best guys. But at some point, if you're if you're gonna be one of the best guys, you gotta you gotta beat those best guys. He's eleven and eight in the UFC. Like he's a a good, not a great fighter. Uh, Chris Curtis. I, I don't know if Chris Curtis is great either, but I know Chris Curtis has turned a corner in his career where he's fighting better now than than he has for a good chunk of it. Even though he, it, like I mentioned, Kelvin Gaslam being thirty one, Chris Curtis is thirty five. Mm-hmm. It just feels like he's a much younger thirty five, and this is a guy who is. I mean, what's he? He's won like nine of his last ten fights. Um, he, he, and it's not been against, like you mentioned, you know, Joaquin Buckley, but, uh, Adolfo Vieira, Brendan Allen, Phil Hawes, these are like solid, solid wins that he's gotten. Um, the, the one thing that worries me is I don't know that you can knock Gastelum out. Like I, that is, he's like the most durable dude ever. You can hit him with a shovel and I think he keeps coming. So Chris Curtis is going to have to pace himself. Like if Chris Curtis goes in looking to chase a knockout, I think he could gas out. Uh, but I, I don't see uh, I, I don't see much of a path here. I, I think that it, Kurt, the one thing Curtis has in his back pocket that we don't talk much about is he's a good defensive wrestler, and I think Gaslam is going to have to try and wrestle at some point. Um, there's been a it, it's hard to know what Gaslam you're going to get. It's been a long time since we've seen him. Um, but Curtis is, is patient 
And I, I think that he's going to fight the smart fight here. I like your pick. So uh, especially as a dog, if it, it feels like a good price on, uh, on, on Chris Curtis, the action man, you know, I got to go back to Gaston when he was going to fight Duplicis. And I like Duplicis in that fight. And I started to think, I'm like, how hungry is Gaston right now? I think, and that's really where a lot of my, my handicap falls on is that there's got to be motivation with hunger with, and it's in two, two opposite directions with these guys. I don't know how hungry Gaston is. I think he realized he's not going to win a title and Curtis doesn't know yet. Right. So I think that there's a chance he comes into this one going, you know, this is my stepping stone fight. I'm on the prelim headliner. I can make a main card, you know, and go up against another guy and get those paychecks. Like Gaston has been paid. That guy's been around for a while. He's got big paychecks against some of the best fighters in here. So the hunger to me, it, it's all with Curtis. I think the motivation's all there with Curtis. So that that's really what pushed me over the edge in this one. Hey. All right. Uh, I am going to go to maybe the worst fight on the entire card for my best bet. I'm going to go to Carl Williams and Chase Sherman, the obligatory heavyweight ugly fight that you've got to have on every card. You need to have one bad heavyweight fight per card. This one's it. Um, we all know that Chase Sherman is terrible, and I, I'm not denying that. I don't know how good Carl Williams is, and when you look at the odds for this fight, you would think that Carl Williams is like prime Brock Lesnar or Kane Velasquez. He's minus 420. There's some books that have him at minus 500 against Chase Sherman. That's not where I'm looking. I'm going to go to a prop on this, and I'm going to say this fight goes the distance. You can get it at minus 105. And it, listen, a lot of these sloppy heavyweight fights end up going the distance just by nature. They gas out. It, it's uh, it, They're ugly affairs. Here's the thing. Chase Sherman, not much of a finisher. Uh, he, he looks like he should have great power. He always looks like he should be better than he is. Dude's 4-10 and 10 in the UFC. You know how hard that is to be 4-10 and 10 in the UFC? He's been cut three times. Like They just keep bringing him back because they need a body. He's like, oh, okay, I'll do it. Uh, so I don't worry about him finishing Carl Williams. Carl Williams isn't much of a finisher either. And I, I dug into some film on him. Uh, he's got eight wins in his career. He's gotten a stoppage in three of them. Two of those came in his first three fights against low-level guys, regional competition, really low-level guys. The third came against a natural 185-er who had lost six straight fights coming into their fight. Uh, Carl Williams is like a – he's a wrestler by nature. He wants to make fights ugly. He wants to grind. Uh, he wants to make it grimy. I don't know that – he's not – if he starts losing, he's a guy that the UFC will look to move on from quickly because he's not going to be exciting ever. Uh, I do think he's going to have success wrestling against Chase Sherman, but I don't think he gets a knockout on the ground. So Carl Williams at one point did fight at 185 pounds. Then he fought at 205. Like this is not a massive, powerful heavyweight. And Chase Sherman is really the second true heavyweight that he's ever fought. you, You saw him fight in the, uh, on the contender series he he fought Jimmy Lawson, who was four and two. Jimmy Lawson's four and two, and he beat him by guess what? A decision. When you're not used to fighting guys that are bigger than you, naturally bigger than you, you tend to when you do fight those guys, you tend to be a little more play, play a little more safe. 
you don't want to expose yourself. You don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to get hit by something big. Carl Williams is never going to be a big heavyweight. Chase Sherman is a naturally big heavyweight. Uh, I, I, it like if you forced me to play a side, I think I would have to bet Chase Sherman just based on the numbers. I think it's absurd that a, a fighter who's proven as little as Carl Williams is such a massive favorite. But I don't want to ever have to make a bet on Chase Sherman, so I'm just going to bet that this this fight sees the last bell, and I, I don't really care who gets their hand raised as as long as. Uh, they've got to read scorecards at the end. So I'm going to go best bet for this pod. Carl Williams, Chase Sherman goes the distance minus one Oh five. All right. Well, better you than me. Cause I didn't want any part of this fight. I saw a couple, <laughs> a couple of the Chase Sherman's fights, a Parker Porter one, the Romanov one. And I'm just like, this guy's not really all that great. I mean, he has, no, he's terrible. Yeah. He has a chance if he gets lucky and, and lands a big bomb. But besides that, yeah, I don't want any part of that. So I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you took the dive here. What fight are you looking most forward to on the card? Is it the main event? Uh, I actually want to see Burns fight again because I think after the Cosmot fight, I was just like, you know what, man? Like this guy has grown up over these last like four rounds that I can't wait to see him again. And I think he, I think there's a chance he beats the brakes off Masvidal, slows that train down, and then who knows where he ends up after this? Because I, the division's interesting now. I mean, Leon got the belt. You got Usman. Could we see that again? You know, maybe Covington or, or something crazy. So. That's the fight I want to see more than anything right now. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing Raul Rosas, who is opening up the main card. He's the the 18-year-old uh, who was 17 when he got signed by the UFC. He's now 7-0, and won his first UFC fight pretty easily. Uh, I'm curious to see how he does facing a little bit stiffer test than Christian Rodriguez, uh, who's 8-1 and one himself. So uh, seeing how see, – getting to see a, a, essentially a kid grow up in the cage – uh, is is fascinating to me, so I'm looking forward to that as well. I think it's going to be a fantastic card. the The pay per view card is really awesome. Uh, Adrian Yanez and Rob Font should be a banger. Uh, you mentioned I I love watching Gilbert Burns fight, and I think that this this main event is just it's it, you're going to be on the edge of your seat the entire time, just waiting to see what happens. So uh, should be a fantastic card for UFC 287. Sleepy, thank you, man. It was fun. First, uh, first UFC pod I've done. It's been like my my favorite sport to handicap forever, and I, we haven't done pod. So uh, appreciate you hopping on and doing this with me. Oh, I'm glad you took a couple minutes out of your day to go ahead and uh, sit down and do this. I'm sure everybody's going to be excited for that. But I think that that's the one thing a lot of people will realize is that you actually know the UFC inside and out, and not only you know giving out picks on a podcast, but I know that your paid selections are absolute money. So. Hopefully everybody goes ahead and they join in there and uh, you know pick up some of your stuff because I think there's a lot of money to be made this week. All right, so for Sleepy J, I'm AJ Hoffman. Check us out at pregame.com. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll we'll see how this goes. Give us some feedback on Twitter. Let us know if you want more of this, uh, and maybe we'll, we'll be back for UFC 288. But enjoy the fights. We will talk to you next time. <laughs>